Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Matthew. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. We're on our downhill slide, just a couple more messages left of our Sunday school series, dealing with unto the furtherance of the Gospel. And that we have seen through this series that if we're going to be effective in reaching the world with the gospel, that there's a three-pronged approach that must be considered. First of all is the idea of truth. And we went through several messages dealing with truth. That in order for us to communicate the gospel, we have to tell the truth. And that the truth must be with love, but they need the truth. They don't need something that's going to pat them on the head and say, there, there. <laughs> but something that's going to tell them the truth and be an encouragement get to guide them in the right direction. Along with that, if we're going to be effective in telling the truth, we also need friendship, that we have to influence people. We have to work with people. We can't be spiritual hermits, but we have to show ourselves friendly. And so we showed several lessons about friendship and how that's necessary in order for us to have influence with people to, so they would even listen to us in the first place. And then we come to a section dealing with the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is God's command to us as churches, as God has assigned his people to have a job to do. And the Great Commission is God's assignment, the one thing that God has told us to do. And so if we're going to be obedient to what God's told us to do, we must have an understanding of what this commission is. So with that, turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, to the Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 28. The Gospel record of Matthew, chapter 28. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 16. The Gospel record of Matthew 28, starting at verse 16, the Word of God says this, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus appointed, had appointed them. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. And with this, we could see what is commonly called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Now, before we dive into exactly the parts of the Great Commission, and what do I mean by that? That there are five places that the Great Commission is listed. Now, they're not five different commissions, but in fact, there are five parts of the one commission, and that the five parts make the whole. Now, this is going to be necessary if we're going to have a full understanding of of what God has given us to do. As we look here in the Gospel record of Matthew and examine this, we also understand the elements 
of the Great Commission. If we could summarize the Great Commission into two parts, it would be this. Reaching and teaching. Just that. Reaching and teaching. And because this is what God has given us to do, everything that is done within the local church has to be justified in the light of Great Commission. Of reaching and teaching. May we say this way, discipleship and soul winning. There are some churches that are doing a decent job trying to go soul winning, but they miss out on the discipleship. This is the Great Commission. A church that is going just soul winning is not accomplishing the Great Commission. It also includes the teaching. We must be teaching other people how to do the same thing. Thing. These are the part things of the Great Commission. But if we're going to have a good understanding of what truly involved in the Great Commission, we must look at the Great Commission in its five parts, understanding the five parts make the whole. Now, in order to make it even more logical, we're going to look at these five parts in chronological order. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, when Jesus died, he was buried in put in a borrowed tomb. On the third day he rose again, and when he arose again, he began to instruct the disciples. He was with the disciples for 40 days, and then he ascended to heaven. As we go through the Great Commission, we're going to look at things through chronological order. Imagine that. I like doing things chronologically. And um, as we look through the, the Great Commission, and we look at it in chronological order, we can see that two of these parts were given the day that Jesus rose. He rose from the grave, spoke with the disciples, and he gave two of these parts. He gave one in the middle of the 40 days, and then he gave the other two parts at the end. So what we're going to do is that we're going to look at the gospel records in Acts, the five places where the Great Commission was given, and we're going to look at the order that they happened in history, and we're going to discern about this idea of the Great Commission. Where do we start with? We start with the gospel record of John. The gospel record of John chapter 20. The gospel record of John chapter 20 is the first uh, account of the Great Commission given after Jesus' death and ascension. So he grabs his disciples and he begins to instruct them. With this, if you don't mind, notice with this in the gospel record of John chapter 20, the part of the Great Commission that we see here is that divine authority has sent us. He, we are sent with divine authority. Notice with me in the gospel record of John chapter 20. Notice with me in verse number 19. The gospel record of John chapter number 20, starting at verse 19, the Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he had showed unto him his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. What we see here is that we are sent with divine authority. Jesus said, with the same authority that I was sent, I now send you in my stead. How, why was Jesus down on earth in the first place? He was there under the commandment of God. 
God had sent Christ down here to die for us, to live for us. That Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And with that same authority that God had sent Jesus, we are sent with that same authority. Now, why is this a big deal? Because sometimes we get timid and we're afraid. We get ready to go talk to someone or knock on someone's door and we're like, what right do I have to go talk to someone? What, what business do I have? We're under the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're under the authority of heaven. God has told us. God has sent us. We're to go out because he has sent us. This is a commandment not of pastor and not of the church. This is a commandment given from heaven, from God. God has commanded us to go out into all the world. God is the one who sent us out. Now, <laughs> this should embolden us some because we're under the commandment of heaven. Maybe I could give you an illustration. Back in the late 1800s, there was a soul winner by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was in um, one of the great Chicago um, train stations. And as he was witnessing, there happened to be a, a husband and wife. And they were going to go on a trip somewhere. And the husband told his wife, you just stay here. I'm going to go get the tickets and I'll be right back. Well, as the man was coming back, he could see a man was talking to his wife and his wife just had tears running down her eyes. And so as he came up, the man had finished and walked away. And so immediately he was concerned for his wife. So he came up to her and said, what happened? What did that man say to you? Well, that man came and told me that I was a sinner and because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But they told me about Jesus, that Jesus can forgive me of all of my sins. The man said, he, that man, he should have been minding his own business. She goes, you don't understand. He was minding his own business. He was doing the business of heaven. God had sent him. We have authority to go talk to other people because this is what God has told us to do. We have to be reminded, this is part of the Great Commission. This is God's commandment to us. We are sent by His authority. We're sent with divine authority. This just helps us out a little bit because there are times that flesh gets in the way. There are times that we could talk our way out of it. But you understand, God has commanded us to do this. With the same authority that Jesus has been sent he is sending us with that same authority. Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The first part of the Great Commission. Now, it's one commission. Five parts make the whole. The first thing is that we're sent by divine authority. As we go to the Gospel record of Luke, this would be the second account in chronological order. The Gospel record of Luke, chapter 24. The gospel record of Luke chapter number 24 and we could see another part of this great commission as we're trying to get an understanding. Now we know the elements of the great commission is reaching and teaching. That we are to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Then we're supposed to teach them all things that we've been taught. Those are the elements. But the five parts of the great commission to give us an understanding of what's entailed in it is that first of all we're sent by divine authority. God has sent us. We have a task from heaven. And the gospel record of Luke, we see something else that's important to this idea of the Great Commission. The five parts make the whole. Is in the gospel record of Luke chapter 24. The gospel record of Luke chapter 24. And let's start at verse number 46. The gospel record of Luke chapter 24 and verse 46. 
Then said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. By the way, that's the gospel. That Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among the, all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Again, we're supposed to declare this, that Jesus died for our sins. And that if we're going to respond to him, we're going to have repentance. A change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. And we're supposed to preach it to all nations. But notice in verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. The first part of the Great Commission is that we're sent by divine authority. The second part of the Great Commission is that ye are witnesses. Now what's a witness? A witness is someone who has experienced it, who has observed it, who they have played a part of. Let me give an example. Let's say that right outside the door there was a big traffic accident. We could, we're in the building here, we hear this big screech, we hear the crash, we could hear the people yelling, and so being good citizens, we go out there to go check and make sure everything's all right. When the officer comes by and they start uh, trying to sort out what happened. They're going to say, all right, who was a witness? Who saw what happened? Well, if you were in the building here and, and you heard it, and you go up and say, listen, I can tell you what happened. I'll be a witness. Well, the officer said, well, what did you see? Well, I didn't see anything. I was in the building here. But let me tell you what happened. What is the officer going to do? Tell you to set aside. He wants to see someone who was there. Someone who was able to see it with his own eyes. Well, the important part of the Great Commission is that we're witnesses. We're telling others what happened to me. What happened to you. We are telling our story. Every Christian has a story to tell. What do you mean by that? Well, we talk about what our life was like before we came to know the Lord. What our how we came to know the Lord. And then what our life was like after we met the Lord. Every Christian has a story. If you say, well, I'm a Christian, but you don't have a story about a time, an event, something that happened when you met the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not saved. Every Christian has a story. Everyone who has ever come to know Jesus Christ, it's an event. For example, we often like it about being born again. Well, <laughs> if uh, someone was born, there was an event. Right? All the mothers in here. You could describe the event that was happening. Maybe there was leading up that you had the Braxton Hicks and you showed up to the hospital a couple times and they said, no, it's not it yet. You'll know when the contractions hit. You'll know, okay, well, I don't know what could be worse than that, but I'll take your word for it. And guess what? It was worse than that. And so, you know, there was the time that you were sitting in the hospital. Maybe you were in there in time to get the epidural and that you had a great time and or maybe you didn't get there in enough time and you had to grit it. Or like my wife's case, uh, they didn't turn the epidural in enough time. And so she felt every bit of it. And, you know, and she could tell the details and explain. You know, there was an event that happened there. It wasn't, well, you were born. That was it. <laughs> there was an event that happened. Well, the same thing's true with every born-again Christian. Before I came to know the Lord, I knew I was a wretch. I knew that there was something missing in my life. I knew, I knew I didn't have hope. 
I knew that I was afraid to go to sleep at night because I didn't know what would happen to me if I laid my head down on my pillow and I didn't wake up. But there was a time that someone loved me enough that they took the Bible or they told me the Bible, they showed me for the Bible, they gave me a track and they told me how I can know for sure my sins are forgiven. They told me about Jesus Christ and I accepted that gift. Since then... My life is different. Since then I have peace. Since then I have hope. Since then I have purpose. Since then I'm not afraid to go to sleep at night. You understand everyone has a story to tell. Ye are witnesses. All God is asking us to do is to tell someone else what happened to me. I'm not talking about, well I read this in a book that if you try this, this will work. I'm saying this is what God did to me. And I want it to happen to you. I want you to know my Jesus. I want you to be forgiven of your sins. God is just asking us to tell people. And tell them what happened to us. Ye are witnesses. We're to tell other people who don't know what we know. What we know by experience. Every Christian has a story to tell. There was an event that occurred. And God is not asking you to tell someone else's story. He is just asking you to tell what happened to you personally by experience. So as we look at the five parts of the Great Commission, we start off that we're sent by divine authority. That as God has sent Jesus, so he sends us. And that same authority. The second thing we see in this part of the Great Commission is that ye are witnesses. We're just supposed to tell others what happened to us. That's pretty simple, isn't it? We're just supposed to give a, a witness account, a testimony. That's why a testimony is one of the most powerful tools that you have in your tool bag, is to be able to tell your story. What did God do in your life? And what he did in my life, he could do in your life. Now let's go to the third part of the Great Commission. As we look at it chronologically, we go back to the Gospel record of Matthew. Now we introduced you to the Gospel record of Matthew, but we didn't place it. Let's place it now. As we come to the Gospel record of Matthew, chapter number 28, the Gospel record of Matthew, chapter 28, where we started before, we see the third part of the Great Commission. This event probably happens within the middle of the 40 days. So the first two were given the day that Jesus rose again. This is given in the midst of the 40 days after, his, after he rose again. Notice again, as we just get a good running start, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We've already seen that, that God has given him the power and authority. Go ye therefore, so because God has power, because Jesus has power, we are now sent to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's discipleship. But notice this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. What we see in this third part of the Great Commission is that the Lord Jesus Christ goes with us. That the Lord Jesus Christ goes with us. That's an encouragement, isn't it? That he's not saying, you go ahead and go and I'll catch up. He says, as you go out, I'm going to be right there with you. Well, if I know Jesus is right by me, this is great. I can go talk to people. If I know that he is with me, he is going with us. 
Oh, in fact, not only is he going with us, he's already been there working before us, softening the hearts, preparing them. Then he works after us, that after we leave, he's still working on their heart. That we have the presence of God. He's not depending on us and us alone. He's going to do the work. We're just going with him. We're so thankful for that, that God is going to do the work. He goes with us. <coughs> Back in Phoenix, when I was <laughs> working with the church, we were training soul winners, and we had a young man that we had worked with for a year or plus, and he was still kind of timid at the door. And... Um, trying to train him, and he was able to speak. He was just really afraid, and, you know, he liked to be the silent partner where silent was the key, just, just stare and let us do the work. And we got to the place where we would go, knock on the door, oh, no one's there, let's go ahead, put a track on the door, and we'd walk away, knowing that the person was about ready to open the door, and he stuck. <laughs> and we did that on purpose to get him to talk, and he did fine and whatever else. But God doesn't send us like that. <laughs> He doesn't say, oh, you go ahead. I'll be around the corner. Let me know how it goes. He goes with us to go talk to people. He goes with us and he's working on their behalf. He goes with us and after we leave, he's still working on them. That it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on him. He goes with us as we witness well, if we know that Jesus is with us and he's doing all the work, that takes the load off of us. That we're just supposed to do what he says, trusting that he will get the job done. It's amazing to see what happened. I went with another young man once and we went out to an old farmhouse and was talking to a guy and uh, I was letting the young teenager try to explain. And when the young teenager started to explain, uh, he started stumbling and bumbling and going here. And I got lost listening to him. I'm like, what in the world did he just say? It was just, oh, whatever. Well, at the end, he says, well, you know, I did my best. Would you be willing to accept Christ as your Savior? And, you know, after all of that, I was expecting him to say, no, thank you, whatever else. And he says, yeah, I've been waiting for you because I've been wanting to do that. Thank you. What happened? It wasn't the kids. It wasn't the kids' great oratory skills. It wasn't his logic because it all got mingled up. It was God working with him. God did the work. God was drawing. God's able to use our foolish and sometimes very weak attempts to still get his work accomplished. Because it's his work, not ours. He goes with us. So first of all, we're sent by divine authority. That as God had sent Jesus, Jesus sends us with that same authority. That we are witnesses. All we're doing is reporting what happened to us and trying to encourage others about what happened to them. Then we also see the idea that the Lord Jesus goes with us. He doesn't send us by ourselves, but he goes with us. As we go to the fourth part of the Great Commission, the five parts make the whole, turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark in chapter 16. And we could see another part of the Great Commission that helps make the whole, to help us have an understanding about what this is. Now the Gospel record of Mark chapter 16, the last part of it, is a controversial passage because they don't know what to do with it. Most people read this and they get scared of it. I want to tell you, don't be scared of this. This is God's promise. Notice, if you don't mind, the gospel record of Mark chapter 16. And let's start at verse number uh, 15. 
And he, that's Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right? So this is what we're supposed to do, is go to everyone, be a witness, and tell them the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Don't let that mess you up. It says, he that believeth and baptized shall be saved. It's not saying that you have to be baptized to be saved. Notice the rest of the verse. It says, but he that believeth not shall be damned. According to verse 16, what is all that's required to damn someone? For them not to believe. Baptism doesn't have any part of that. Baptism is just evidence that I've trusted in him. Notice as it goes on, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And after that the Lord had spoken, and when he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth preaching everywhere. Notice this. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Now we can see that the Lord goes with them. But verse 17 and 18 is where it really blows people up. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name thou shalt cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt him. Now this doesn't mean that we become like a, uh, a snake handling church. Uh, they have those in the South. I don't want to be part of that. We're, that's not what it's talking about, is that we're going to go show off and let all these rattlers bite me and show me how... that. By the way, that was fulfilled with the Apostle Paul. What is this talking about then? What it is saying is that miracles will happen as we go out. Miracles will happen as we go out. Let me tell you, some of the most amazing things will occur as you go talk to people about Christ. Whether it's doors that are open or things that, that occur uh, to allow them to get saved. Something to get their attention. Something as just going out and witness to them. I heard of one man who... Um, he was in a hospital bed and he had a bad accident and he's stuck staring at the ceiling and he doesn't have much to do. And so he, he, someone came and witnessed to him and he kind of blew it off. When the preacher left, he said, all right, God. So if you're really God, I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep and you wake me up at four o'clock. You know, just putting you, go ahead, God. And so he went to sleep, took an afternoon nap. And he woke up at like 5.15. He said, ha, huh, there's no such thing as God. Figure that out, huh? So he went back to sleep and 4 o'clock in the morning, he looked over. He said, well, you know, God's still good. <laughs> and after that, he grabbed the track that was left to him and he accepted Christ as his Savior. You say, well, that's a coincidence. Well, ain't that a great coinkinink? You almost think that God had something to do with that. You know, there are so many things of that happening, of miracles happening, things that don't make sense. For example, there was a time I knocked on someone's door. They weren't home. I left a track, walked away, didn't think of anything of it. Of course, I tried to pray, Lord, use the tracks that we leave behind. A year later, I was asked to go talk to a teenager. And so as I began to talk with a teenager and began to talk with about the Lord, the mother came in and was just smiling. And... Uh, okay, well, this is strange. What's going on? She's happy that I'm here. So I was talking with a teenager, started including her in the conversation. At the end, both of them bowed their head and accepted Christ as their savior. And she goes, you know, this is so wonderful. I used to hate church people, but last year there was one of those tracks that you just passed out to me left on my door. 
And when I picked it up at the door, I said, stupid church people. And I took it in the house with the intention of throwing it away, but I got distracted and I set it on my counter. And I left it there. And every time I'd see it, I got to throw that stupid thing away. And every once in a while, you know, I'd pick it up and carry it and I get distracted and I lay it somewhere else. Six months later, it's in my bedroom on my mirror and I look at it every day getting ready for work. And so when I arrived a year later, she was ready. It was just like picking fruit that's falling from the tree. I mean, it was just so easy. It was kind of like I was going through the gospel record. She's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. I just want to pray. Let me get to the end. Well, let me double check here. That wasn't me. That was God. And again, so many miracles that occur. I have a have a friend of mine. He escaped from communist Hungary back in the 80s. He escaped with his young infant daughter. Just a tremendous story of them coming to the United States. He came to the United States, went to Montana, didn't speak a lick of English. And, um, <laughs> but he knew that he wanted his girl not in public school. Again, he escaped from communist Hungary. He knew he didn't want any kind of do with public school or state off school. So he went to a Christian school and didn't speak any English, but tried to get, communicate that he wanted his girl to be there. Well, the pastor looked at him across the desk and said, I don't understand what you're saying. And I don't even know if you're going to understand what I'm saying. But if you don't mind, may I um, <laughs> just tell you about the gospel? And in English, the preacher began to speak to him and just give him the gospel plan and just kind of shrugging his shoulders said, I don't know if this is doing any good. I don't even know if he understands any English whatsoever. But as uh, <laughs> my friend gave his account... He said, all of a sudden, when he opened up the Bible, he began to speak, and I could hear it in Hungary, Hungarian. And I heard it in my own language, and I accepted. The preacher was surprised. Of course, he learned English later and began to communicate with the preacher and became very important in churches that he was into. Miracles happen as we go forth. God wants people to get saved. And he is going to work along with us. So we don't need to be scared of this passage. It's not saying snake handlers and let's do this. That's nonsense. But what it is saying as we go out, miracles will happen. For example, we go to the fulfillment of the, God, of the Apostle Paul. He got shipwrecked on an island. They're in there with all the barbarians. And uh, the barbarians are saying, there's got to be something special with this guy. Hey, I mean, he survived the shipwreck and... So he went to go into the fire and a viper came and bit him. And they said, oh, someone really must want him dead. He survived the shipwreck, so they killed him with the, the, the uh, viper. Well, <laughs> Paul took off the viper, shook his head and went, oh, well. And when he didn't die, those people on the island went, what's up with this crazy guy? And next thing you know, the chief was sick and Paul went and says, all right, well, I'll pray for him. Well, the chief got healed. And next thing you know, everyone's listening to Paul and the whole island got saved. This island that no one would have reached unless Paul got shipwrecked on here. And the miracles that happened wasn't to show how great Paul was, but was to back up the message that he said. That miracles will happen as we go out. And again, we could tell you story after story after story of personal accounts of things that God has done. Miracles will happen as we go out. That's how involved God is in us getting the great commission out. Is that he starts off by saying, I'm sending you with divine authority. Then with that he says that ye are witnesses of these things. Then he backs it up and says that as you go out, I'm going with you. 
Then he says, as you go out, miracles will happen. Now we come to the fifth part of the Great Commission. The five parts make the whole. Turn with me to the, gospel, or to the book of Acts chapter 1. We've covered all four of the gospel records, but the book of Acts also contains part of the Great Commission as Jesus Christ is about ready to ascend up to heaven. He speaks to his uh, disciples one last time. And the book of Acts chapter number 1. The book of Acts chapter number 1. And notice with me in verse number 6. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be in witnesses both unto me, or unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What we see here is that he says, God's going to give you power. Miracles are going to happen. He's going to give you the Holy Ghost. And as you have the Holy Spirit, I want you to be witnesses, starting at Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city they were in. Then he says, I want you to go not just to Jerusalem, but to Judea. Judea is the country that they're in. Then you go to Samaria, which is the northern neighbor of Israel. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I want you to start here, then here, then here, and then go out. What we see here is that there's no place to stop. We're supposed to keep going. Just keep advancing forward. Keep moving Watching God work. That we're supposed to watch God continue to work. And us always advancing forward. You know, when we got here, we made a big deal of us door knocking. And uh, there was almost like a hanging question. All right, after we knock every door in Green Bay, what are we going to do then? We're going to do it again. Really? Yeah. Because people that we didn't catch the first time, we're going to catch the second time. Maybe new people moved in. Maybe some people weren't ready to hear, but they're ready to hear now. There's no place to stop. Always continually at it. This isn't just something we do for a season. This is the one thing that God has given us to do. Is to always be going out. To always be advancing forward. To always seeing people. So at the same time as we're trying to reach people in our Jerusalem. We're also encouraging people planting churches. At the same time as we're trying to help churches get planted here in America. We're also supporting missionaries who are trying to reach those countries for the Lord. We're just continuing to see the Great Commission go out. This is what God has given us to do. The five parts make the whole. Now we understand what are the two elements of the Great Commission? Reaching people with the gospel, then discipling them. Soul winning and discipleship. Reaching and teaching. Those are the things. Everything in the church is supposed to be judged by the Great Commission. Meaning that what part does a Sunday school have? Well, we're trying to teach the young kids how to follow after Christ. What part does a retirement home have within a church? It's not to entertain them. It's for the purpose of trying to give them the gospel one last time before they pass. Well, if we have um, a soup kitchen, why do we have soup kitchen? Just to make people feel better? No. Every person that comes through in, we're supposed to witness to them in the gospel. They're coming to us so we could witness to them. Every element of a church must be justified by what? 
part does it have in accomplishing the Great Commission? And any ministry, quote-unquote ministry, that cannot justify its existence by reaching people for the Lord or teaching them how to be obedient to the Lord has no reason to exist within the church. By the way, there are many social things that secular groups do a lot better than we ever could. And we're thankful for them. Places like the Red Cross, I'm thankful for them. They do a great job. They do a better job than we could. But it's not our job to give medicine to all the world. It is our job to reach the world with the gospel. Does that make sense? We have to know our role and our existence of it. So the two elements of the Great Commission is reaching and teaching. What are the five parts of the Great Commission that make the one commission? First of all, we are sent by divine authority. As God sends us, uh, sent Christ, he now sends us. We're sent with divine authority. That we also understand that we're witnesses. All we're doing is telling our story about what God did for us and he could do for them. That we know that as we go out, Christ is going with us. Praise the Lord, we're not by ourselves. We know that as we go out, miracles will happen. That God is always at work. And then that there's no place to stop. We just continually go at it. Continue until every person has heard about Jesus Christ. And then we go out again to catch those people who didn't accept him the first time and tell them some more. And we continue to go out. There is no place to stop. The five parts make the whole. So as a quick question, what role do you have in helping this local church accomplish the great commission of what God has given us to do? Everyone has a part to play. What part do you play? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.